Hello and welcome to Connected by Life. I'm your host, Sean Paul Harrison. Connected by Life was created to have engaging conversations about important topics that impact physicians and our clinical stakeholders in regards to organ and tissue donation and transplantation. Today we'll be highlighting the collaborative efforts between neurosurgical teams, the Organ Procurement Organization, and the healthcare partners, and how the collaboration significantly impacts the organ donation process. My guest is Brenna Romero, someone I had the pleasure of knowing for over 20 years as a registered nurse and a neurosurgical nurse practitioner. Brenna, well, welcome back to the Connected by Life podcast. It's wonderful to have you here again. Happy to be here. Thank you. So just picking up on the last episode, we had talked about, you know, patients that had a severe neurological injury and some of the assessments and the testings that were done. And so where I'd like to pick up here is whenever we're, when y'all are doing the assessment, whether to determine the severity of the prognosis or potential brain death, because there's such a there's such a, a difference between a non-survivable brain injury and a patient that has died of brain death. And so, it, and what I mean by the difference is just the understanding of the family. So can you speak to a little bit about that when you're working with those families? Absolutely. And, you know, this is a situation we run across almost on a daily basis, um, non-survivable injuries versus actual brain death. Um, and then, of course, as you know, some non-survivables um, progress on to brain death. But when we have someone that's um, in a very catastrophic state or non-survivable survivable brain injury, that's a conversation that has to be built upon every single day with the family. Um, and I always make sure that the family understands that um, even from day to day, not a lot of things, they may not see a lot of things changing as they're sort of there visiting every day. You know, it's grueling for them. Um, but over time, we sort of take these trends and I always tell family members, look at things in chunks at a time, chunks of days at a time instead of 24 hours at a time. And then we can kind of point to, are we making any improvements if we come to, you know, a stagnant point, and this is a catastrophic injury, well, then we have a conversation regarding uh, what are our goals of care? What would that patient have wanted? What is the best quality of life for this patient? And that's a entirely different conversation from an actual, um, you know, brain death circumstance. And I think that, I mean, there's so many different factors that play, you know, part of this, but I think that you were talking about is, the, you know, the chunk of time and, and making sure that the, the clarity is there, the communication, the understanding before moving on, you know, to the decision making. So when we're talking about, you know, both patients uh, as far as for the condition, one being non-survivable uh, brain injury with minimal neural responses and the family elects to withdraw care, you know, uh, there's a possibility of donation after circulatory death as opposed to the, the patients that die of brain death. Uh, and that also can be organ donors. So, you know, right now I'm, I'm kind of at this part where, you know, there's a fork in the road with the family making decisions. Um, and so now oftentimes, um, you know, the organ procurement organization has become involved now as far as for meeting clinical triggers uh, on this particular patient and, and uh, making sure that we can work together to determine, you know, if the family elects to withdraw care or the patient regresses to brain death, uh, that we're able to provide the opportunity of organ donation. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that collaboration, which I know that, you know, 
uh, we've worked together over the years. And so how important is that collaboration, you know, when you're working together to facilitate the possibility of organ donation for this family? It's absolutely paramount. It's very rewarding for both, I think, the family, the patient, the staff. It's rewarding to communicate and collaborate with the LOPA affiliates and representatives that come out. They're very present. They're visible. They're very compassionate. I think everybody meets together and approaches the family together as a team and the family feels supported. Um, Explanations and clarity, uh, lots of communication goes on. Um, I feel like all of the family members' questions get answered, uh, especially when we can approach these very um, gentle topics together. You know, and when you're talking about the approach, I think this is something that we have talked about previously, is the, the timing of that conversation because if you all are doing everything that you can for that patient and you're discussing testings and things like that, you know, there are times where a possibility of a premature conversation comes up and that causes a lot of questions for families. And so we've talked about how important it is to avoid those early conversations of donation when the family is not at that point. What is some of your experience with that as well? I absolutely feel like too early of a conversation could possibly cause um, some doubt in the family and, you know, especially if circumstances change or if they're not at a place where they're ready to receive this information. The conversation absolutely can take place too early, especially if you don't have those definitive signs. Well, also, too, is, you know, unfortunately, it does happen and is where that conversation comes up prematurely. And then it it causes the you know, we talked about trust in the first episode in a situation like that. It can cause mistrust, which would, you know, probably lead a family more towards um, possibly saying no to donation, you know. And uh, so working together, that collaboration, that teamwork between the organ procurement organization and our healthcare partners is so so important. And then you also talked about in the previous episode as well, is about making sure that you are really um, explaining things to the family, making sure they understand before you move to those next steps. And one of those next steps eventually down the road would be the possibility of organ donation. We want to make sure that we can support the family as best as possible so their loved one could be a hero and save the lives of others. I think that there have been some very meaningful and very important conversations that have led to successful donation um, amongst the entire team just because of a patient general approach. Um, I personally have spoken with, um, you know, local affiliates many times on the proper times and kind of going back and forth and discussing, okay, this is what the exam looks like today. This is where the family is right now. This is the amount of uh, information they can accept today. This is, um, what's going on with the patient so that we can make the appropriate decision. And it's, it is a great collaborative approach when you make the decisions together. Um, that way we can both be on the same page about where to go next. That is so important because, you know, you all have been so heavily involved with this family, with this patient. And then when we're notified based on clinical triggers and coming in, it's so important for us to find out, you know, basically what is the status of the patient what are the plans? What's the family's understanding? And working together, you know, that's something that we talked about, you know, the, the 20 plus years that we've known each other and being in this, in the healthcare field, it's so important because, you know, it has grown so much into where it is, it is something where we're working together um, to make sure that we could provide the most, uh, you know, the most support for this family in making the most difficult decision. One thing I will say too, 
is I can't even imagine, you know, you all having those conversations with the family as far as for the, the possibility of death and recognizing how that affects you all as well. Can you speak to a little bit about that as, you know, as far as for the, the personal and the professional impact that it has on you all? Absolutely. And it most definitely does. And this conversation gets brought up quite a bit, you know, amongst um, nurses and physicians alike. Before we go into a patient's room, I think it's just so important to become grounded again with ourselves and remember that, hey, this is a family member. We need to really have some empathy, pull all your empathy um, that you have together in that moment and really think that, hey, this really could be your son or daughter, your family members. Please speak to them because they will remember Speak to them gently. Speak to them the way you want to be spoken to because they will remember that circumstance forever. I've had people come back later and say they remember speaking to me from, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago. And, you know, you you want to make a, a good impression for them and, and provide them the support. It's about them and supporting them and making it meaningful for them during their time of grief. You know, Brent, I was, I was talking about just, you know, recognizing the loss not only for the family, but also for you all, which has got to be devastating. But one of the things I, I did also want to ask you, and I hate to keep putting you on the spot, but I know that you have been involved in organ donation cases for these families where their loved one was a hero and it saved the lives of others. First of all, how has it impacted you all as, as staff and how have you seen that impact the family as well? I think with um, any time you have to approach with a situation that's going to likely end in donation, um, being, being very cautious with how you choose to speak with the family, um, and offering them support. So one really important thing also is even after they elect to, to donate, let's say brain death studies are done, things are finalized and we turn it over to, to you guys for the care. Um, I think even something small, like paying them a visit, can provide, will sort of answer what you asked on on both parts. So that's meaningful for both the staff and also the patient family member is providing like a little visit even after all of the all of the formalities are done to say, hey, I'm here for you. If you want to talk or ask any questions, I'm still here, here for you. If you want to speak, talk, um, or just a shoulder to cry on. And that, that helps us as well. It gives it meaning. Um, for us and for the family members. Well, I know that y'all have, you know, because of the culture that you all have built as far as for not only what you're providing to the patients and families, but also the donation culture. Um, Because I know that, you know, you all are involved in flag raising ceremonies and, you know, just all of the things doing for, you know, what you all are doing for the family. Um, But hopefully that's also a reminder of the, the hope that it's giving the family and that their loved one is saving the lives of others and that, you know, positively affects you all as staff. So these um, ceremonies and the support that's provided to the family um, during and after are very meaningful for the, both the staff and the family. Um, and I think that they provide the, the family with memories um, of such a, this is a terrible time for them, obviously. And if they can have something positive come out of this, I had a mother of a patient tell me once that, you know, um, was she doing the right thing? Did I think she was doing the right thing? She asked me for a one-on-one opinion, you know, which we're always reluctant, you know, to give those, but a moment of openness and speaking to her uh, on such a selfless act. um, It's the most selfless thing you can do besides motherhood, right? So 
she really appreciated the the extra support from LOPA itself, from the hospital and the nurses. So yes, uh, it's very meaningful for families. And I think that um, in such a terrible time, they need something to, to hold on to and to be hopeful about. And it's such a wonderful thing. Well, I think that, you know, one of the things uh, in, in bringing you on was just uh, highlighting the fact of the the role that you all play within the donation process. You know, one is, you know, identifying patients that have the possibility of, of donation, you know, that uh, detection and the assessment. Um, the communication that you all have with the, the procurement teams, um, making sure that we're communicating together to ensure, you know, if this, this, um, this patient has the possibility of donation, whether it's donation after circulatory death or the patient is brain dead and we could proceed with organ donation. But just making sure, you know, we're able to guide the families together. So, Brenda, also, you know, with everything that we've talked about and your experience, what are some of the major factors in having a really successful donation process? I'm talking about teams working together to support the families and maximizing the opportunities for these heroes to save the lives of others. What are some of the key components that you feel are a big part of that? So a compassionate approach, a team approach, collaborative approach uh, with the procurement uh, specialists that come out to the hospital. And um, I love the fact that we meet together and we we speak and sort of give a rundown of what's actually going on. And like you had mentioned earlier, having that appropriate information and not approaching too early. And then when there is a, an approach having all the facts and and presenting the family uh, in in that timely fashion not too soon not you know obviously um and then just really listening to the family and and seeing where they are in the situation and then getting into you know the details after uh, very cautiously and carefully um and just providing them support nonstop throughout the process and that comes from that's a multidisciplinary thing, but giving them that support that, hey, we're here for you and we can continue to answer your questions. And also that we're going to we're still going to support your loved one and, and take excellent care of them in this time. Also, too, this is more for for us as organ procurement organizations, because so, there is a lot that listen. And, you know, from from a nurse practitioner working with neurosurgeons and the hospital staff, these teams, what are some things that you feel that you all either that you need or that you continue to have from us to support you all within this process? One thing that has been absolutely imperative and amazing, and again, as I've watched the evolution through the through the years, is actually having the procurement um, specialist or affiliates come out and we can see them. They're visible. They're here. We can go and speak to them. It's a real person, you know, live on the spot. We can talk about what's going on and uh, discuss each patient. That's been excellent. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And, uh, you know, it really does. It means the world to us uh, to work together. You know, this is obviously one of the most difficult, difficult times for these families. And so, you know, for us to work together so that we can make sure that we are taking the time to focus on this family and their loved one and hoping that something good can come out of it. And I hope that this this time with you, Brennan, and hopefully, you know, with, with your staff and everyone that you work with is that you know that you are making an impact on these families and that, you know, you're such a big part of this process. And we hope that you all are reminded of the difference that you're continuing to make. Thank you so much. And I'd also just like to say that one of the most meaningful things for me personally was when you guys uh, began to send the the text 
sort of later that let us know, hey, this person and this family that you helped, you know, these organs helped, you know, these people. Um, what are those texts called? The it's the connect, text? It's uh, connect MD messaging. So Yes. Well, that has been unbelievable. Um, and you asked about how, you know, we're affected as staff earlier. And I would say that that has profoundly made a difference. Uh, it's spoken about, uh, you know, amongst staff members that how amazing is it to get these texts after, you know, all hope is not lost. Yes. And that's that's the messaging that comes in real time. But our donation services coordinators, you know, that are developing those hospitals, they also do other layered follow up to make sure that everyone is seeing the difference in what they were a part of and that hero was able to save the lives of others through organ and tissue donation. So thank you for speaking to that. Thank you. It's been unbelievable. Well, thank you, Brenna, for joining me. Uh, It was really an honor to have you on the podcast and I look forward to seeing you in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being someone that truly cares about organ and tissue donation. It really matters. You can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime at registerme.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Connected by Life on your favorite podcast app. And remember, you're a light worker. Keep shining. This is a production of LOPA. The content in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. To read our full disclaimer, please visit our website. The Connected by Life podcast is hosted by myself, Sean Paul Harrison. Our executive producer is Kirsten Heinz. Our production assistant is Chandra Williams. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.